Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Fernando. Hey, Ben. How you doing, Fernando? I'm good, Ben. I'm good as well. Good to see you. Also, he's no longer in Ohio. He's back in sunny Los Angeles. Travis Irvine is with us in the flesh. In the flesh. Hello, Ben, and hello, Fernando. Great to see you both again. It's great to have you back, buddy. All right. We have a bunch of stuff to get to today. We're going to talk about some positive stuff here in a little bit with marijuana legislation that could be voted on in the Senate at some point in the relatively near future. We'll also joke around a little bit about Donald Trump, because what's American politics without (laughs) occasionally uh, picking on the pig? Uh, Evidently, (laughs) Donald Trump, he wanted to make Saturday Night Live illegal. And again, this is where even a broken clock is right. Six times a day. (laughs) He ain't wrong. (laughs) But of course, he is completely wrong. It is funny to me to think about a sitting president of the United States, obviously no longer, screaming at the television. Yes. Just being like, stop making fun of me, Mr. Baldwin. We used to be friends. You were at my wedding, goddammit. Oh, no. The idea of a president getting mad at a sketch comedy show. Nixon was getting upset because they kept on showing all the atrocities of Vietnam. Right. And Trump different. was just mad because he's like, my hair isn't that orange. Right, right. And if, if anything, Nixon actually went on laughing and was like, suck it to me. He loved it. <laughs> that was it. a classic clip. Of course. So we'll talk a little bit about that and... And uh, a few other things that are affecting the lives of Americans, uh, specifically when it comes down to a corporate tax rate, uh, a universal, a global corporate tax Mm -hmm. rate. I know, Fernando, you want to talk about that. But before we get to those stories and more, let's talk about a story that's as old as time. The United States military. We talk about how they need to audit the Pentagon. They need to figure out where is our money going. Biden says that's dangerous, Ben. I know Biden does. I believe (laughs) that he would think it was dangerous because it'll show all of the corruption of presidents past, current, and present. Uh, Yeah, I guess both of those. (laughs) (laughs) That includes everything. That includes everything. $750 billion a year. Where does it go? We know for a fact a lot of this money goes to the U.S. military, spending it on training mercenaries from around the world. The U.S. has been doing this for a long, long time. I think maybe speaking of Vietnam, perhaps most obvious in Vietnam, perhaps one of these situations where the American people started to wake up and say, holy hell, right. what are we funding? Who are these people again? And what do they do once we leave? Once you're trained, you're trained, and you can go along with that skill set and do whatever the hell you want to do. We're going to talk in the context of what happened with President Moise of Haiti. Of course, we know he was gunned down. We're not going to get into the ins and outs of of Haitian politics because I am just starting to understand American politics. So I don't (laughs) think we have time. I barely understand it now. (laughs) I don't think we have the decade that it would take to get into the ins and outs of uh, Haitian politics. But we do want to talk about the new revelation that the gunmen or 15 of these gunmen that took the life of the Haitian president were trained by the United States military Mm. themselves. So this is something that is obvious. No one is denying this. 
This is something that you can find it in Stars and Stripes magazine. You can find it on Fox News, CNN, whatever the hell news sources you want to go to. But this is something that we know for a fact the U.S. military has done and is continuing to do. This is according to Lieutenant Colonel Ken Hoffman. He is a Pentagon spokesman. He says, a review of our training databases indicates that a small number of the Colombian individuals detained as a part of this investigation had participated in past U.S. military training and education programs while serving as active members of the Colombian military forces. So the question here is, what happens when the U.S. trains and arms militia groups, military groups across the world, and then those groups participate in an assassination like the one we saw in Haiti? Where is the responsibility? And of course, when it comes down to the U.S.'s role in all of this, if the U.S. doesn't want to be seen as complicit in multiple Ooh. issues happening around the world, <laughs> we got to stop training these people. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, there is a, a long, long history. I would even say prior to Vietnam, specifically when it comes to the CIA, um, the CIA was all obviously involved in the overthrowing of the Shah in right. 1953 of Iran. Um, uh, most famously, uh, they got busted for the uh, the Bay of Pigs, and that is a very much a mercenary training, mercenary who's who. I mean, all you got to watch is Oliver Stone's JFK to see how confusing it, it got and then how pissed off JFK got when he found out about it. Of course, that's not a documentary, Oliver Stone's JFK. He took some liberties. He took some liberties. Specifically with the orgy scene and a series <laughs> of other things. But you're Right. The the wide sweeping message that uh, that someone like an Oliver Stone presents in a movie like JFK, it completely sheds light on what the CIA has been known to be doing. Right. Especially when it comes to other countries, especially when it comes to picking sides and civil wars that we should have never been involved in. That's what Vietnam was as well. Of course. And politics are fluid. Right. And people's loyalties are fluid. Yes. And people's motivations shift as their self-interest shifts. Right. So next thing you know, I mean, look at the Taliban for crying out loud. Exactly. Al-Qaeda. We have these fully trained mm -hmm. mercenary people out there with all of the expertise of the greatest PSYOP in world history, which is the CIA. Right. We can show some love in that world to like, the Russians <laughs> and stuff. Number one. We're number one. <laughs> but we really are the number one PSYOP in the world. Woo. And now we just have these rogue... I, what would be a proper term for them? Independent contractors? Mercenaries. They're mercenaries. mercenaries is a term as well, but independent contractor, it almost uh, sheds more light on the fact that a mercenary to me at least has like a group chat. Right. These guys, <laughs> these guys can be isolated and utilized right. overnight. Yes. And in fact, um, like Reggie Jackson. Must, oh, kill the must queen. kill the queen. Must kill the queen. Oh my God. We're naked naked dumb, 33 gun. and a third. Oh, okay. Where was that number it's one? Two and a half. I two thought. and a half. Yeah, Fernando yeah. looked at us like we were the whitest human being that's <laughs> ever lived. About that. I'm sorry. That's a white person's that's a white class. Person's Fernando. Joke I, about airplane. I've definitely seen it on at Christmas, I think. Okay, yeah. great. This would be very good. But either way, besides <laughs> Reggie Jackson, don't forget that Osama bin Laden was originally yes. a CIA asset who then got a bunch of money. And it seems to be a pattern, Ben. And it's still happening now. Uh, we, yeah. we fund people, we train them, we train them how to kill and then they go off and then they just kill whoever they want. Aww. Not only do we train them, we also help them with weapons. I mean, of where, course. where, Absolutely. where are all the weapons in the Middle East from? I mean, uh, there's probably a lot of ties to the weapons in Colombia right yes. now to our military. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the old Bill Hicks joke about Saddam Hussein in Iraq. It's like, how do you know that Saddam Hussein's got all those weapons? It's like, well, we we've them. got the receipts. <laughs> Absolutely. And of course, when it comes to what happened in Libya with Gaddafi, Oof. when Oof. the people were able to break into the weapons buildings, mm -hmm. they found a lot of things made in the U.S. Of a Senator Patrick Leahy, he is a Democrat out of Vermont. Uh, he actually has tried to get some legislation through to provide more oversight of foreign defense aid used in human rights abuses. Uh, this is what he had to say uh, regarding what happened again with Haiti. He says this illustrates that while we want our training of foreign armies to build professionalism and respect for human rights, the training is only as good as the institution itself. And I think Patrick Leahy makes a solid point there. Again, you know, you can train someone to kill and it's all great as soon as they're killing your enemy, but as soon as they flip over and start killing your friend, 
It's Frankenstein's monster. It's something completely out of control. And we're seeing it once again play out on an international level where Uncle Sam has blood on his hands when it comes to the assassination of a president in Haiti. There's layers to this. Uh, there's news coming out from like Bogota, Colombia, about that the the people that assassinated him were actually hired to protect him. Yes. So this was an inside job. That's what some people are saying. Uh, that you know, there's a ties that it was a U.S. based company. They were all recruited from like a group chat in WhatsApp, and there were the logo of that WhatsApp was a U.S. based company. They it met, it was mentioned several times in that group chat that it's a private security. A company it's a u.s based company yeah. but it does private security in haiti right so and then you mentioned that uh, two of the haitians are actually naturalized american citizens as well exactly so, so there's so many ties and layers what are u.s citizens doing messing with <laughs> haitian presidents is, you know? again why when it comes to truly covering what happens in the world you can't trust anything that you see on television when msnbc decided to become the cia network <laughs> and we're talking about these people, you know, when they, funny, but... when they look at, when, I mean, when we look at, what was the name of that fat-headed dude who just kept on screaming? All of them? That's <laughs> everyone, of them. everybody in MSNBC. That's such a general term. Yeah. <laughs> MSNBC or whatever it is normalizes these people. These people are the ones who put into motion the exact things that we just saw in Haiti. Senator Leahy goes on to say, uh, the Colombian army, which we have supported for 20 years, has a long history of targeting civilians, violating the laws of war, which I do love. They're like, we have rules. <laughs> Don't break the rules when I'm killing you. Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. My God. He goes on to say, violating the laws of war and not being accountable. There has been a cultural problem within that institution. 20 years. How come that is not talked about? And I apologize for not talking about it yesterday <laughs> right. because that is insane. Yeah. If, if I may weigh in with the, the little bit I know about our foreign aid and the policy, from what I recall, the, the biggest numbers prior to 9-11 and the war on terror, which, which, you know, the United States absolutely went ape shit with our foreign aid to whoever. I think that was the technical name of that the operation. That was the technical <laughs> name. Operation ape, ape shit. shit. <laughs> um, uh, the Colombian forces were, uh, I think... The, one of the top five recipients of foreign aid, obviously below Israel. Israel has been number one for a while, but Colombia, yet we were giving them hundreds of millions of dollars in foreign aid in the name of fighting the drug cartel. Yes. That was exactly what it was, but slowly but surely, you started finding those forces intervening in Venezuela and then right. intervening in Bolivia and so on and so forth. And they, you know, it basically is almost kind of what Israel has become. We give them foreign aid to basically become our eyes and ears in the entire region. Right. And of course, uh, there's no such thing as a proxy war to the people who are currently fighting that war. Right. You know, when anyone's like Vietnam, it was a battle. It was a proxy war. Cute. Cute. It's a cute proxy war. It's like not a real war. <laughs> it's not like real. the bombs are real and everything. Uh. And like, you'll die for real. <laughs> yeah. But it's like a proxy war. Um, what I want to add is that I know to me, it almost sounds a little bit conspiracy theory, everything we're talking about, but no, there is a lot is, of, yeah. there's a lot of U.S. interest in Colombia, period. Uh, where does cocaine come from? Where does cocaine grow? Cocaine is what's used to make lidocaine. Everyone who's been to the dentist has a lidocaine shot. Where do you think all of that came from? There's a right. lot of interest to protect in Colombia. So you can defend it and say, hey, we send our military over there because that's where, you know, we're growing medicine for the world. But you know, because we're guarding the coke. Because we're, but we all know that it's there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of handshakes under the table. You know, movements. A lot of hand jobs under the table too. <laughs> oh golly, yeah, and of course we've got the eyes in Venezuela because Chavez was a, a problem for us, and they have all the oil. And don't forget Panama. Oh, the U.S. loves keeping its hands on Panama yeah. just so we can keep that sweet sweet canal. Well, to that point, uh, since the year 2000, the U.S. has given billions of dollars. Uh, to Colombia. And as Travis said, it's to, uh, to air quotes, fight the drug battle mm. and to fight drug trafficking and to fight leftist guerrillas and far-right paramilitary groups. So everyone. A little bit of everyone. <laughs> yeah. So okay. just kind of a scattershot, right. we'll call it. You could just say protecting our interests. Yes. Oh, mm. as Henry Kissinger said, America doesn't have friends. 
We only have interest. So there's actually a Colombian commando school, which sounds really cool. Uh, I would have heard that when I was 10 and be like, Mom, can uh, I go to the Colombian yeah, commando contra, school? Uh, you know get, get ready yeah, dude. Professor Chuck Norris. <laughs> this is nothing like I thought it was going to be. I'm really exhausted. And man, these pants are heavy when they're wet. <laughs> so the Colombian commando school is modeled on the Army's uh, ranger school. And the two military partnerships date back to at least the 1950s. So we have copy and pasted our Army Ranger School in Colombia. And of Mm -hmm. course, uh, we see what uh, the fruits of that labor has, uh, what has grown into. And it can lead to, as we're seeing now, massive, massive destabilization. Like Haiti needed anymore. Oh, man. Between the earthquakes, the, the economic despair, the political... Hurricane, absolute hurricanes, hurricane. hurricanes. <laughs> this is the last thing the Haitian people needed. Yeah, and that's and, enough. and it sucks the U.S. had anything to do with it. There, the history of Haiti is so sad and devastating from a um, from a colonialism standpoint. Right. Fernando and I were talking about that before the show. Haiti was actually one of the first. Um, nations to uh, it was a slave-led rebellion mm-hmm. and they rebelled against the colonists and took over the island again and since then <laughs> yep ugh, the imperialistic powers have just made sure that that place it's almost like the middle east they always yeah. want haiti in crisis um i very briefly worked on a documentary about sweet mickey who was a musician who ran for president of haiti because haiti was so corrupt and it was immediately after the earthquakes and all yeah. the money was coming in and then all the money was disappearing mm. and they're like sweet mickey's the answer yeah. is produced by Pross, the other Fuji. He said I looked high all the time, which I was. <laughs> it's on brand. Oh, thank you. Um, but it turns out then poor sweet Mickey gets corrupt too. It's uh, just that bad. It doesn't right. seem to matter who's in charge. And when if you do have someone that they don't like, then they're just going to round up 15 security guards to kill you. Well, not to show too much love to the deceased here, but... Uh... Bill Hicks also had that great premise where it's like they bring you in the dark room, they show you the Kennedy assassination from, from a an angle, angle you've never seen before, and, uh, and you realize you better fall in line. Exactly. So I'm sure something happened uh, to uh, to Sweet Mickey as well. This is according to the commander of Columbia's armed forces, General Lewis. What's his last name? Fernando. Hey, that's your name, oh, wow. <laughs> Luis Fernando Navarro. Uh, he says the recruitment of Colombian soldiers to go to other parts of the world as mercenaries is an issue that has existed for a long time because there is no law that prohibits it. Again, so we have the U.S. military fully aware, mm-hmm. we have senators fully aware, mm-hmm. and now we have the commander of Colombia's armed forces fully aware that the U.S. is creating mercenary groups, sending them across the world, and of course, they are enacting what Kim Jong-un could only dream of, which is assassinating <laughs> every single person that stands in their way. Big brain moves, if you will. Yes, big time, <laughs> yeah, big time. Absolutely. So just lastly on this, authorities in Haiti are investigating uh, Mosey's Killing, with the assistance of the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, and uh, personnel from Colombia's government. So, oh. you know, the FBI, they'll go in there, they'll get the answer they want. <laughs> yes. I love, it's like the whole conversation is the CIA, the U.S., created these mercenaries and these mercenaries went, maybe they did something the U.S. wanted, maybe they did not. I would venture to say they stayed in line with what the U.S. wanted. Mm. Perhaps the U.S. didn't want President Mosey around. So now we're going to have the FBI figure it out with the Department of Homeland Security. Don't even stress it. Oh, thank goodness. They'll get to the bottom of it. DHS has the best interest of Haiti in mind for sure. (laughs) It's the Department of Haiti Security. That's what it's really called. (laughs) Of course, President Biden, he uh, bravely condemned the assassination. Okay. He said that was not good. (laughs) Listen here. That's uh, my my Biden just sounds like W. Bush. Yeah, <laughs> where's the difference, honestly? <laughs> yeah, this is what he had to say speaking at the White House. Biden said a contingent of Marines would be sent to reinforce the U.S. Embassy in Port-au-Prince. Uh, however, deploying American oh. troops elsewhere in Haiti, he said, not on the agenda. Oh, uh, it's almost as if they're already there. So why would you deploy troops <laughs> right. when we've created them there? That's uh, even we have in-house that. troops there. We don't need to import. <laughs> exactly. All right. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost.
Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. All right, let's move on to some good news because God knows we need it as L.A. County is about to go back to the mask. Don't even get me going. (laughs) All right. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, again, um, not uh, my favorite human being on earth, but in this case, he is right. And I did it with Donnie as well. If they do something that I agree with, I say good work. So uh, he and uh, Senate Finance Committee Chairman Ron Wyden and Senator Cory Booker, of course, out of uh, New Jersey, they have uh, introduced a draft of a bill that hopefully the Senate will vote on. The name of the bill is the Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act. Uh, This would lift the federal prohibition on cannabis and allow state-compliant cannabis businesses to have access to financial services such as bank accounts and loans, helping small businesses be able to actually finance a small business, open up a small business, open up a small dispensary, a cannabis store, and again, help the people who have been most devastated by the war on drugs. Absolutely, and also it looks like they're throwing in to, uh, a provision to expunge federal nonviolent cannabis convictions um, and encourage the states to do the same. Um, this would be basically the sweeping legislation we've been talking yes. about and yes. asking for. And you know, even because you got the Republicans in the Senate, even if it only goes halfway, just the federal decriminalization of marijuana outright is a huge step. Question. But, yes. Remember uh, McLaughlin? Question. McLaughlin group. <laughs> Next <on PBS>. issue. <laughs> Question. That was uh, for everyone who is exactly 65 years old. <laughs> we watched PBS at 9 o'clock in the morning on Saturdays. It was also on at 7 p.m. on Fridays. That's when I watched it. Question. Next issue. Kamala Harris, Joe Biden. Joe Biden has said, more uh, research needs to be done. Mm. And of course, Kamala Harris is a former DA uh, here in California. Put a lot of people away for marijuana. What's to stop them from being uh, a hindrance. Ooh. Is Joe Biden guaranteed? Let's say it passes the Senate because I think there's a lot of, I would take some, I, I would take a Mike Lee out of Utah Rand could vote Paul for this. Will probably Rand go could for vote it. for this. This has bipartisan money. potential because there's a lot of money, money. and there is a massive, massive uh, sentiment for legalization politically across this country. Right. It's a political winner. It's almost a state's rights issue. It's a state's rights issue, yeah. absolutely. So I could see it passing the Senate. But do you think it's possible that Biden doesn't sign it or he vetoes it. He, I don't have faith that he he's not an advocate for legalization. Hasn't been. Hasn't been. You know, the war on drugs. 1994 really crime up. bill was mainly him. And it's hard for these people to admit that some of their past policies are flawed. And so you wonder if Biden gets this on his desk and it's just stuck in his crawl that under his watch, he can't have legal marijuana. Perhaps he'll see it as a uh, as a massive ding to his presidency. So personally, he won't allow it. I don't know. I'm just speculating because given the rhetoric that he has espoused, Mm -hmm. his political history and the VP's political history and rhetoric, I don't think it's a guarantee that if it gets to the White House, it passes. When you bring it up now, uh, both Biden and Kamala Harris say we're busy dealing with the pandemic. We're busy with COVID. But I mean, obviously, it's just, you know, they're just kicking the the can down the road. Absolutely. Because, of course, this plays right into health and um, it it plays into health. It plays into incarceration rates. Mm -hmm. Johnson and Johnson has just said they're going to stop selling opioids. So nice of you. (laughs) Oh, thanks. Marijuana legislation or legalization. It's going to be a big money for big pharma. And there's a lot of, you know, there's going to be pushback. There's already in states where it's been legalized, like New Mexico, there's already pushbacks from the police organizations are saying, what are we going to do with our drug dogs? You know, there was just an article. Uh, I was watching the New Mexico news. There was just an article about this drug sniffing police dogs future in limbo. <gasps> Put them up for adoption. I'll take a drug sniffing dog because then you know who has it and you can rob them. But I, <laughs> that's so valid. But I also wonder if they're maybe violent. You know, those dogs, those dogs, no, are those tra- dogs are not violent. They're the best trained dogs in the world. You know, uh, Biden's got, these are the kind of things that they're going to, that people that have, that are against this legalization, they're going to use this. These are valid. Yeah. These are valid. Wait, the argument against legalization right now is we're going to put, we can't put dogs these dogs out of work. Out of work. Listen the dogs don't even want to go to work. Listen here, corn pop. 
I'm not going to stand by while a good dog loses his job. <laughs> it's me, Joe W. Biden. <laughs> Joe W. Biden. Corn pop. That's the. I love dogs, but I also think that dogs they can take a little time off too. <laughs> but I'm, you know, extrapolating. We're going from there. It's uh, it's the jobs program that I've talked about several yeah, times. DA, you know, it's uh, there's a lot. Of what the DHS has a lot of money. The you ICE. There's a. They're not ICE anymore. They're U.S. Whatever they are. Oh, now. has ICE changed its name? Uh, they're. Is it just DHS now? I could be completely. I don't wrong. know. Who knows? Whatever, uh, whatever uh, they do, they do the same thing that ICE did, which is uh, uproot a lot of families in this country, and of course, sometimes they're needed. A rose by any other name. You know? Absolutely, <laughs> right. Chuck Schumer. This is what he had to say. He says it makes eminent sense to legalize marijuana. He goes on to say a number of states, including my own of New York, just legalized recently. The doom and gloom predictions haven't materialized in any of these states. And as more and more states legalize marijuana, it's time for our federal cannabis laws to catch up. Uh, he said this bill would make for quote monumental change. And again, I believe, without a doubt, this is a huge political winner. Yeah, it seems very common sense. It's like you said, it could have bipartisan uh, support. I mean, this is one of those things. It's like, you know what? I'm proud I used to get uh, Chuck Schumer's grapefruit and cottage cheese in the mornings. And by removing it from class one, you let like the native tribes, for example, sure. they can start making money off of right? it directly. Everyone can. Yeah, that, that banking provision is actually huge because that's the biggest problem, especially in, in Colorado and even here in California. All these businesses are cash only. Yeah, you They can't, are not allowed yep. to legally, federally to have I, any bank account of yeah. any kind, which, as you said, devastates the small businesses. And of course, yes, when you can't get federal loans, uh, oftentimes you can't open your business. And that's what we need the government there for, uh, as again, it continues to um, get in the way in many ways or in many senses when it comes to uh, business ownership and when it comes to people trying to make better lives. The U.S. government should never get in the way of that. It should only facilitate those things. And of course, what gets in the way of that is right now the federal uh, illegalization of marijuana. This is what, uh, uh, just finishing up with Schumer, he finishes up here. He says, at long last, it would take steps to right the wrongs of the failed war on drugs. Now, of course, you want to pull your eyes out. You want to pull your hair out. You want to scream at the sun. Schumer's been in office for a long time. Mm. Yeah. But at the same time, at the very least, we have the head of the Senate saying that the war on drugs was a failure. Yeah. And that's a, that's a step in the right direction. That's very big. I feel like we've always called it the failed war on drugs. Anybody yes. I talk to, progressive, libertarian, or otherwise, calls it the failed war on drugs. So the fact that Chuck's using that language means he's getting his grapefruit and cottage cheese in the morning. And let's not forget the true devastation here. I just read this article in the Washington Post about this fellow named Roger T. Davis. Uh, he was arrested in the 1970s. He considered himself a black hippie. And uh, he, would, he dated white women. He married a white uh, farmer's daughter, as a matter of fact. In 1973, he was 28 years old. He sold three ounces of marijuana, which I know friends who smoke that in a night. He sold <laughs> Wait, three what? ounces. Yeah, you. <laughs> you are the friend. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> 1973, he sold uh, three ounces of marijuana to a police informant. And uh, he uh, was found with six more ounces of weed at his house. Oh. He was sentenced to 40 years in prison and fined $20,000. Uh, he just recently was released at 76 years old. That's so sad. That's so insane. Arrested at 28, recently released at 76. And one of the things that always kind of annoys the hell out of me when, when people get out, the reporters are like, how do you feel? Does it feel great? I would be like, I'm kind of fucking pissed. Yeah. I'm a little bit pissed uh, off that people are making millions and billions of dollars off of this thing I was incarcerated for for 40 years. Now, this is what he had to say. He says, it's somewhat rewarding to get to say, I guess I wasn't so crazy after all 50 years ago. He continues to think about all the time he lost, of course. Uh, he says, you need to make it up when it comes to uh, the war on drugs and when it comes to penalizing people for marijuana. He says, you need to make it up to a lot of people and not just Roger, but there's thousands of people in Virginia that got screwed just like I did. Um, so... These are real people and these are real lives that these words on a paper affect. That's one of the things I wish politicians would understand more when they write down different legislation, different bills, different laws. Mm -hmm. To them, it's done. They were, we finished it. We did our job. And the actual 
um, manifestation of those policies, again, lead to people being incarcerated for 50 years because of a couple ounces of weed. This is what needs to change in the federal laws in order for us to be able to study marijuana as well. Like we can now be able to study it for medical reasons. Absolutely. Right now, the USDA can't even get, you cannot touch it. But with this change, we actually could, you know, the USDA could start growing it. We could start using it to produce fuel. We could start using it to produce fiber. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that we can extrapolate for this. Not just we want to get high. Absolutely. We could, we could do a lot more. Right. Anyone with, uh, you know, um, MS or, uh, or yeah. cancer or uh, arthritis like PTSD for veterans yeah all of it really ties together and it is interesting Ron Wyden and Cory Booker both have already worked with Rand Paul on similar Mm -hmm. legislation I think Cory Booker and Rand Paul worked together on reducing uh, mandatory minimums because that's a whole nother part of the drug wars federal judges are required to give X amount of time so three strikes good God yeah so you gotta hope this thing's got bipartisan support I almost wonder if you know to your suggestion if Biden does veto it you wonder if they've got a veto proof two-thirds majority that's it's very possible in something like this. And not that Biden would veto it. I'm just putting that out there because of the words that he has said. And he's a bit of an old guy. <laughs> yeah. Right. Corn pop. Yeah. <laughs> um, just to give a little context into what the world was like in 1973, uh, Rolling Stone reported in January of 1973 that the White County Sheriff Buford Shockley, uh, that was White County was where uh, Mr. Davis was arrested. He said, this is a quote, he says, Illegal drugs and pornography are the biggest and most important problems in the country. Wow. 1973, bro. Sure, uh-huh. You didn't think there was anything else happening in 19... 19- mm. Can you think of anything? No, just something across the, uh, the world, maybe, involving a bunch of military? I don't know. I don't know. We were blasting Afghanistan back into the Stone Age? No, no. People were looking at boobs. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Jeez. I want to encourage you now to submit your comments to the Senate Finance Committee by September. Uh, they have an email you can use. You can reach out to cannabis underscore reform at finance senate.gov. All right. That's pretty good. There you go. Honestly, Send some messages great. their way and let them know. You want it legal and you want it now. Uh, Davis, again, the man who spent 50 years in prison, uh, says he was just a young guy cruising around. That's what he told the uh, the Post in 1982. I can't believe how long this guy was arrested or incarcerated for. He says, I was about freedom, good times, and a lot of friends into everything everybody else was into. I don't think anybody hardly thought about the future. He was just a young, hippie dude trying to live his life. Uh, the ACLU had a study. Black people in Virginia were about 3.4 times more likely to be arrested on marijuana charges than white folks. Um, wow. Virginia legislators originally voted in February to legalize adult recreational use with plans for the law to become into effect in 2024. But after a push from activists and concerns over their over three more years of pot related penalties, lawmakers voted in April to move up legalization to July 1st. So. Hmm. All right. Again, that is, we are making proper headway when it comes to the legalization of marijuana. And uh, it's important to uh, to remember, or when we see positive things happening, to call them out and say, good work. And hopefully uh, it goes in the right direction. Just judging by how the states have gone when it comes to legalization, how it's been rolled out. Mm-hmm. Again, how the doom and gloom that was all a bunch of BS that mm-hmm. we knew from the very beginning, that propaganda right. nonsense. As soon as that was proven not to be true, more and more states are going to open up and hopefully, of course, federally, so people can get loans and start a business and have a family. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at discounttire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. All right. Well, let's move on a little bit. Uh, Speaking of assholes, were we talking about assholes? Well, I just did. So speaking of assholes, this is just a joke story. A judge has dismissed Roy Moore's $95 million lawsuit against Sasha Baron Cohen 
over his uh, Who is America prank. Man, when I think about someone I would love to see live the exact life they're forced to live, Mm. Roy Moore. Yeah. You talk about a scumbag. That guy, that was like 2017 he ran for that seat? 2016, 2017, something like that. Gross. This guy, he was a horrible judge in Alabama. I mean, he would se- over-sentence people. He used God as a reason for punishing people. He was a psychopath to the point where he fake rode a horse when he went to go vote for himself. Right. And he the- rode a little gun whenever he would talk to make himself look like a tough guy. Well, on top of everything, he was a known pedophile. Uh, like on the, top the, of everything. The shopping malls wouldn't even let him in anymore. Yeah, unsing- yeah the very, what, how many? Oh, God, it was so, so many. many. Yeah, it was a lot. So, so a judge has said, no, nah, dude, this ain't going to happen. Judge John Cronin ruled against the former Senate candidate and Alabama Supreme Court justice who had claimed along with his wife that uh, Sasha Baron Cohen inflicted, quote, emotional distress <laughs> and committed, quote, fraud by conducting an interview with Moore in 2018. Oh the audacity of this man to complain about suffering emotional distress when he dedicated his entire life to ruining people's lives. Yeah. Yeah, good on Sasha Baron Cohen, and good on the Uh, judge for throwing it out. Well, that's why I love Sasha Baron Cohen, because he doesn't just sit there like, what, like the Samantha Bees of the world and rant and rave at a camera and uh, pretend like they're making a change. He'll straight up dress up like someone they want to meet. Well, he does. He creates actual change because he exposes hypocrisy and he does it in a way that isn't screaming into the void he does it in a very proactive way and a very talented way and he has balls of steel and uh, that woman that was in the movie with him has a labia a rocky labia a labia of steel okay sure she was th- those dudes are tough man i couldn't do that shit at all yeah when she was in the room with rudy giuliani oh my uh, god uh, borat too i mean you know in borat at one point he uh, exposed a child pedophile ring Yes, which then the FBI right. investigated. That's so right. I, I approve of what he does. And um, and I'm happy that he was able to get under the skin of Roy Moore enough where this absolute sycophant thought that he deserved $95 million. That's so much money. It's stupid. It's a stupid amount of money. Is he Dr. Evil? $95 million. <laughs> Like It's such a ludicrous number. How did he even get, like, I haven't been able to shit right in three weeks. That's $95 million <laughs> right there. Yeah. He, he probably went to, like, IMDb, looked up the revenue of the movie, and was like, I want that That's much. That's probably it. Yeah, yeah, of course. And <laughs> oh his his small gosh. Alabama legal brain was like, well, I, I could get that. Oh, my God. Sasha Baron Cohen went on Twitter, kind of celebrated a little bit. He said, sorry, Roy, nice try. <laughs> he wrote it alongside a link later, adding, seems like a good day to enjoy this again. Several, and the thing that he quoted was, several published articles accused Judge Roy Moore of inappropriate sexual encounters with young females, including one who was underage. Again, that's why he was not allowed in the shopping malls. So when you're a hypocrite, when you're a public figure who has done nothing but cause harm in your area, uh, and Sasha Baron Cohen makes you look like a jackass, yeah, that's what uh, you get what you deserve. <laughs> that's what you get. <laughs> and continuing in what we'll call wacky news. Oh. Let's talk about Lindsey Graham, Ham and Biscuits, y'all. Ham and Biscuits, y'all. Uh, yeah, very interesting. And, you know, speaking of uh, wacky <laughs> Southern senators. <laughs> Woo! Um, you know, while some senators are dealing with uh, criminal justice reform and legalizing marijuana <laughs> and getting sure. people out of jail, <laughs> Lindsey Graham is getting on the tough case down in Notre Dame, y'all. Okay, what's going on, bud? Well, it appears, Ben, that the students and faculty are outraged by proposed campus Chick-fil-A. And to that, of course, you may remember a few years ago when Chick-fil-A was exposed for their anti-gay donations. Of course, they're a very religious company. They're closed on Sundays. I know. Lindsey Graham went right down to Chick-fil-A and got a picture of himself eating Chick-fil-A. Oh, he is such a straight guy. He's Lindsey so cool. Lindsey Graham is the straightest dude. It's like, sometimes I'm like, wow, I wish I, I, I thought I was straight, straight, but now I'm not even close <laughs> to straight. Because Lindsey Graham, he goes there. He actually goes there. He goes there. And he's going there again, y'all, because just on July 14th, this week, Lindsey Graham decided to speak out against the students and faculty of Notre Dame. Of Here's Notre what Dame. he had okay. to say in a tweet thread. <laughs> I have always thought Notre Dame was one of the greatest universities mm. in America, if not the world. Second tweet. 
It's disappointing to hear some ND students and faculty want to ban Chick-fil-A from doing business on campus because they disagree with the values held by the Chick-fil-A founders. What a dangerous precedent to set. Notre Dame is Catholic. Third tweet. Notre Dame is too liberal for you, Lindsey Graham. I want everyone in South Carolina and across America to know that I have Chick-fil-A's back. I hope we don't have to, but I will go to war for the principles Chick-fil-A stands for. Great food, great service, great values. God bless Chick-fil-A. Ham a biscuit, y'all. It's so brave of you to stand up <laughs> for for you know, Chick-fil-A. Go to war, even. Yeah. Well, he loves going to war. Let's face it. Can we can we start a war in favor of... He wants to send mercenaries to Chick-fil-A's at this point. Wow. Columbia, let's send Colombian oh, mercenaries. Oh, that'll do it. We have to kill the Burger King. He's getting in with his chicken sandwich. And if that he's continues... He's colluding with the cows. He's colluding with the cows. Oh, he's making go. friends with the chickens. Either way. Wow. Talk biscuits. about a man who has done just absolute, <laughs> the most uh, political cartwheels I've ever seen somebody do. Yeah. I have never seen someone bend in the ways <laughs> that Lindsey Graham can bend both in the bedroom and politically. <laughs> it is insane. So now, again, talk about lying by omission. Talk about distractions. Talk about complete and utter useless rhetoric to get likes on Twitter. Yeah. He's going to go to war <sighs> to defend Chick-fil-A and, and their wonderful barbecue sauce. And I'm not even going to shit on Chick-fil-A. I don't go because it's never open on Sundays and they're in airports and I always miss them. I think I've had Chick-fil-A <laughs> one time in my whole life. It's a chicken sandwich. I don't know. Right. I don't. I was. I argued on television. About, I was like, if you want to go, go. Otherwise, don't go. And then I think that'll be okay. Yes, it's called voting with your dollar. That's what uh, Fernando always talks about. If you want to go to Chick-fil-A, you can go to Chick-fil-A. You don't need to go to war <laughs> to defend Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. And, and also, you can also, and then if you don't like Chick-fil-A, go get a, a chicken sandwich someplace else. Absolutely. And yeah. if, if the good students... Am I wrong, are, Fernando? No, vote okay. with your dollar. Vote with your dollar. And if the good students at Notre Dame don't want a Chick-fil-A, you know what? It's because they're going to be hung over on Sunday, and, Notre, and, and Chick-fil-A isn't there for them. Exactly. So it's <laughs> You know what? Everyone's useless. like, oh, the Sunday is a day of rest. Well, you know what? I like to rest with a chicken sandwich. <laughs> right. At that point, you got to just go to Hardee's. Go to Hardee's. Oh, 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 I'm at war against Hardee's. <laughs> okay. Do you think, you know, Jeez. the you think the Catholic Jesus, the Catholic white Jesus is up there just like, you know, just holding his fist strong like, yes, Lindsay. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. I like to always think of his buddy Jesus from uh, Kevin Smith's yeah. Dogma. All I know like, is if Jesus comes back on a fucking Sunday, he's going to be really pissed he can't get a Chick-fil-A sandwich. <laughs> yeah. like, Chick-fil-A, you guys, you guys I hope close. you open up. Yeah. I hope I'm you open Jesus. up for Jesus. <laughs> Good Lord almighty. All right. And just lastly, we'll just end on a real laugh. Mm. <laughs> it's the snl they don't there's yeah, nothing good lord <laughs> that's funny so there's a new there's a new book uh again which i don't fucking Is read. michael wolf already written a new book about trump <laughs> who knows what <laughs> that like guy shits week. out uh donald trump has denied that he asked the justice department to do something about saturday night live but in the exact same statement he did say that he would prefer if saturday night live was illegal so it okay. seems as if donald trump was just in his nighty screaming at the television uh much like nixon did to coverage of the vietnam war in between masturbation sessions so mm. the idea of a sitting united states president watching a comedy sketch show as everything else is going on in the world everything that else matters mm. and he's just sitting there at 11 o'clock at night screaming 11 30 screaming <laughs> at a sketch comedy show aimed at 13-year-olds. So Donald Trump released a bizarre statement, and I'm not even sure where he released it. Parlor or Gator? Gator. <laughs> Gator. <laughs> he allegedly, according to a Daily Beast reporter, he allegedly once asked his White House aides about the possibility of the DOJ doing something about Saturday Night Live and specifically Alec Baldwin. Now, if we do send a mercenary to take out Baldwin, I'm fine with it. I'm, I'm also okay. Oddly okay with it. Yes. Don't uh, touch Stephen or William, though. Those Baldwin brothers are good. I love a good Stephen Baldwin. <laughs> uh, Trump asked aides if the DOJ could, quote, do a probe or mitigate SNL Jimmy Kimmel, and other late-night comedy. <laughs> he calls them mischief makers. Oh, no. Um, according to the source, he says, it was more annoying than alarming, to be honest with you. One of the sources told the outlet, uh, again, the former president did tweet in 2019, uh, basically asking for people to understand that SNL 
is no more than fake news. <laughs> this is what he had to say. Here, you can read oh, the here, tweet. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because you have to put your mind in, in. It's just so insane. Here was Trump's response. The story I asked the Department of Justice to go after ratings challenge without Trump, parentheses, Saturday Night Live, and other late night losers is total fake news. It was fabricated, there were no sources, and yet the lamestream media goes with it. I did say, however, that Alec Baldwin has no talent. Certainly when it comes to imitating me, the one who had what it took was only Daryl Hammond. That's a ringing endorsement of Daryl Hammond. (laughs) A ringing endorsement of Daryl Hammond. And so there you go. How's, uh, what, you know, when Jimmy Carter has built all those houses, uh-huh. you know, what he did after he was president. And now yeah. Trump is just, he's still doing what he does, watching TV. And he's like, the, he's a real Ebert. He's a real Andy Rooney. <laughs> he's a really, I don't get it. I don't get it. So anyway. These females with their water bottles. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of, um, again, you were talking about Nixon. Nixon, of course, when he was watching Walter Cronkite's coverage of Vietnam, he was like, oh, I've lost Cronkite. I've lost the American people. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it does also remind me of uh, V for Vendetta. You guys ever of see course. V for Vendetta when uh, the, the prime minister, who's very corrupt and controlled, Trolling England with an iron fist, he crushes his glass of milk when he's watching Stephen Fry's character basically make fun of him on TV. That's basically what Trump has become. Yeah, it really is amazing. Um, so there you go. Just a little Trump story. We'll see what happens in 2024. Uh, of course, he still teases a run. Apparently, Joe Biden, uh, late in March, I didn't realize this, uh, he said that he is expected to run for president again. Uh, he'll be 82. So we'll see. Mm. If it's 82-year-old Joe Biden... Versus a 76, 78-year-old, 70-year-old, 70, 78-year-old uh, Trump. Woo. Holy hell, we need, we deserve the, better. Yeah, the rematch America never asked for. No, never wanted oh. to see in the frickin' first place. Anyway, there you go. Uh, so Trump is, it's just nice to know that he's still aggravated. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, everyone, hope you're doing well out there. Also, before we get to the very, very end, Fernando, you want to talk about the corporate tax rate, international corporate tax rate really quick? I do, Ben. Let's do five on it. Something really exciting happens. You know how much I love corporate taxes. You talk about it all the time. I want them to pay their fair share, Ben. Sure. So basically, um, there's a the, there's negotiations for a global overhaul right now of cross-border taxation for multinational companies. Okay. So what this would do is it would put a global tax rate for any company, no matter where they do business, at 15%. Okay, so this would theoretically stop companies from leaving the United States for lower taxes or things like this. Exactly. I mean, assuming every con- the country, all the countries, you know, kind of, a, there's about 130 that are already in in the agreement. Is the U.S. in yet? Yes. Okay, but it's it, big. Is know, China in? Yes. Okay. And, and also, there's no exclusions. Like, there's no, oh, China gets, you know, China gets protected from this. Everyone's, uh, there's a lot of places that aren't, for example, there's a lot of places that are, Bermuda, you know, some tax havens like that, but there's some other places that aren't. And that's kind of where, wherever it, it's still going to be voted on by the group of seven advanced economies that agreed, uh, agreed to do this in June. They agreed to put it up to at least 15%. Uh, a broader agreement will need to go to a group of 20 major economies for political endorsement, which uh, I believe is happening in Venice okay. this week. Mm. And so uh, the technical details are all going to be released by October. And the goal is to implement this by 2023. All right. But this is a Paris-based organization for economic cooperation and development. Uh, that's who hosted these talks. Again, as Fernando said, uh, it would set a global minimum corporate income tax at at least 15%, which would yield $150 billion in additional global tax revenues annually. So um, in theory, I think there are some good ideas here, again, especially as uh, internationally we do deal with automation and things like that. Absolutely. There are some industries that aren't going to be covered. For example, shipping industries would be immune to this. Okay. But most other industries, just based on the amount of revenue that they generate, would be subject to these tax rates. And there's also already some pushback. For example, uh, there's a Republican. He's a top Republican in uh, tax writing U.S. House Ways and Means Committee. His name is Representative Kevin Brady. He's describing this as a dangerous economic surrender that sends U.S. jobs overseas, undermines our economy, and strips away our U.S. tax 
tax base. Okay, and this is what President Joe Biden had to say. He says, with the global minimum tax in place, multinational corporations will no longer be able to pit countries against one another in a bid to push tax rates down. He goes on to say they will no longer be able to avoid paying taxes or paying their fair share by hiding profits generated in the United States or any other country in lower tax jurisdictions. So this is definitely governments wanting to get their hands on more money. But again, as we're seeing with these massive multinational corporations, something does have to be done uh, in order to um, get money to those people uh, that, that need said money. Of course, what do these countries do with the tax money? That's again, it's all about allocation of funds. Right. So if they can do something good with the 150 billion, such as help out Haiti, for right. example. Yes. That's good. Or does it just go to trading more mercenaries? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you're like, or do we just have Amazon like Bezos monsters? <laughs> oh my God. The Amazon mercenaries out there killing every other. I mean, prison. they might as well be sponsored by Amazon. They're all <laughs> private corporations. I mean, they're the exact same thing. Travis, <laughs> you were going to say. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it seems to make sense just from a global tax perspective. It's you got to proceed with caution, right? Because there's always going to be your loopholes. Um, but obviously, well, um, you know, by the time they get done with this thing. Well, and ProPublica, you know, did that great expose piece showing how all these major companies just have tax havens anywhere right. in the world. Panama, yeah. Bahamas, you just you pick a country, you find it, you keep your money there, you avoid paying taxes. So at least this is, I think, going to just level the playing field because Lord knows the rest of us Ugh. are paying our t- fair so share. I'm, so I'm paying. I'm just going to say more oh really i'm gonna complain this is ben complaining (laughs) okay ben's complaining moment no definitely we are paying a good amount of cash to me this also kind of can set a precedent for uh like even in the united states for tax havens within the states right delaware that there's that one building in 2016 in delaware that literally hillary clinton and donald trump both had businesses (laughs) registered there right and it's just a post office box in the wall that makes it legally them for avoid taxes by delaware state law yeah it's tough to be on the side of the tax man uh because i certainly don't believe that people i think that people should pay less taxes and uh, these corporations they can certainly afford to foot a little bit more of the bill and uh, right now, I mean, you look at Warren Buffett. Uh, he was on a show back in the day. I think old Crunchy Fingers, Charlie Rose. Was that his name? Crunchy Fingers or something like that? <laughs> I don't remember something disgusting. that. <laughs> but uh, Warren Buffett brought out uh, his tax form and he brought out his employees' tax forms. And he was like, why am I not paying taxes? And my employees are paying taxes. Right. Uh, again, the only thing that trickles down is the cost and, uh, and the tax as well. So that's where I believe there is some fairness needed there. It's hard to talk about how taxation could possibly help. I I think we need to tax people less and corporations more. Exactly. That's exactly it. That's how it has to work. All right, everyone. Well, thank you all so much for listening. We hope you're happy and safe out there. And uh, yeah, we'll keep on keeping you informed the best we know how. Okay, everyone. Hail yourselves. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.